Go have your Bibles. Please go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. If you do a study of 1 Corinthians, especially when you get into chapter 12, 13, and 14, you now have Paul talking to the Corinthians about um, how the Holy Spirit does his work in the midst of us. And so uh, I find it fascinating. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but when Jesus trained the disciples, like so when he trained the 12 and then he sent the 70 out and he gave the Great Commission to preach the gospel, heal the sick, drive out demons, and raise people from the dead, you obviously have to be in relationship with the Lord doing what he's doing. And then you have Paul coming into the Corinthians, and he's adding actually more knowledge to when the Spirit comes, he gives knowledge, he gives wisdom, he helps you discern, he releases faith, miracles, healing, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And he begins to describe the gifts, which is actually fascinating. He's not trying to teach there are gifts. He's actually presenting the idea, this is already going on in the midst of you. I want you to understand why God chooses to do this when you gather together in his name. And he begins to describe, he takes two of the gifts, and he begins to describe that they're gifts, and you see the benefit of them, but from God's perspective from heaven, there's a reason why he gives those gifts. And he uses tongues and prophecy, and he says these gifts are sign gifts. So uh, before we get into chapter 14, just to have a little background of understanding, when we gather in the name of the Lord, the Lord has his heart on what he wants to do when we gather in his name. We come to bless the Lord and be loved by him. He comes among us to share his love with us, but he has a specific thing that he is wanting to relate to us about and communicate with us about. So he's taken two of the gifts and he says, I'm going to use these as a sign to tell you what I'm doing in the midst of you. So let's just take the gift of tongues, the way it's described in 1 Corinthians real quick, and just talk about why God gave that as a sign. Remember, the idea wasn't to create problems in the church. The gift of tongues is not to create problems. It's actually a sign. And so Paul actually told us what the reason why tongues was available. It's because if people don't know the Lord or they're unlearned of the things of the Spirit, God will have the body of Christ speak in an unknown language to get their attention and say, you don't know me the way you should. Isn't that interesting? He And he ties it to a prophecy in the Old Testament. He says, because of this, this is a sign that I gave to the nation of Israel that because they don't know me and they're not walking with me, I'm going to let a people of an unknown tongue come and overtake the land of Israel. And and Paul says, now see the connection here? If you don't know what God's doing or you're unfamiliar what he's doing, he's going to use a sign to get your attention. So how many of you have been in a service and God has had someone speak in tongues and you think, what in the world was that for and what does that mean? That was the purpose of it. It's actually to cause you to go, why would God do First, is that possible? But why would God do that? So do you guys get it? He's actually stirring people to begin to deal with the phenomenon of, do I know God the way I should? And that's the purpose of it. It's a sign gift. And I don't know about you guys. All of us come from different backgrounds. I, when I was trying to bring my parents to the Lord, uh, we, they didn't come to church with us unless they came to visit us. And I remember um, praying. Now, think how silly this prayer is. I prayed for over five years, don't let anyone speak in tongues when my parents come to church. I mean, do whatever you want, but don't do that. And if you know anything about the fellowship that I go to in Kansas City, I don't even know why I was praying that. No one ever spoke in tongues, ever. So my father comes, and the very person I didn't want him to experience this, we go to church, 
someone's visiting from another state and they stand up and blurt out a tongue. And I'm watching my dad watch that. And then so I give an interpretation and I'm looking at him like, well, I know what we're going to talk about at lunch. Lo and behold, that's what we talked about at lunch. Now think about that. Something I'm uncomfortable with, God was willing to do that to cause us to have a dialogue about who God is when he does these things. So please remember, since it's a sign gift and it's an unknown language, it's a tongues of men or of angels, it's intentional to cause people to go, why would God do something like that? Well, prophecy is different. Prophecy isn't an unknown language, it's a language of the people. And so when God allows prophecy to be in the body of Christ, he's given a sign also. What sign? Now, guys, please catch this. The goal of prophecy is not to prove we're awesome in God. The goal of it, it's a sign. It's a sign that we know God, and so he speaks plainly to us because he sees us as sons and daughters. And so his intention for prophecy is actually to say, I'm among you, my blessing is upon you, so I don't need to speak in riddles to you, I don't need to make things confusing, I speak plainly to you because I'm showing you you're part of my family. Isn't that a wonderful sign that God gives us? Now, and then Paul is describing these things of the Holy Spirit, and then he says, but so you don't get confused by this, you really need to understand the purpose of God's love. And that's what chapter 13 really starts working through. What is the love of God? Why is this so important to understand? And if you guys have ever thought about this, the love of God is unique in the fact that it actually comes from God's nature, but if we don't function in love first, any expression of doing a work for the Lord without God's love being in the middle of it always creates immaturity. It is the love of God is the standard of maturity that actually keeps things in a balanced whole way so that the body of Christ is constantly nurtured. Now, isn't this amazing? In the day and age we live in, and now as I get into the passage, the reason why a a portion of the body of Christ doesn't like God coming in the middle of it is because we don't let love be the foundation of what we're doing. We make the manifestation the foundation of what we're doing. And so we have to understand the purpose of love with God showing up to understand how it can change people's lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. So Paul's gone through giftedness, he's now gone through love, and now he comes here, and and he's now tying them together, and he says, now pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. The one who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and consolation. Now the one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Okay, now that we're just going to stop with that part, and we're going to go back, and we're going to just start working through all of this. Okay, so let's go ahead and develop. Isn't it amazing? He's now going to say, well, we're going to focus on one gift specifically. We're going to take the sign gift of prophecy, and I'm going to tell you why God believes this is important. But he starts like this. Now, I'm reading out the Greek, uh, the Greek specifically. It says, earnestly pursue love. This word pursue and earnest, it's actually one Greek word in the New Testament. If you and I went hunting, that's why I thought it was funny when Paula gave the announcement. I don't go here, so I have no idea what it means to go to the shooting thing. I don't know if you guys get in your cars with guns and just drive around the street and shoot at stuff. I don't even know what that means. But that, what's that? Is that okay? So this earnestly pursue, it's actually interesting. This is the Greek word that is used for hunting game. 
So think about it. It's actually using love now, and it's saying just like if you went hunting, you would have to prepare yourself, you would have to look for the signs, and you would have to actually track until you meet your game. That's what Paul's saying here about love. He says, actually make this your intention that you pursue God's love, and you're very focused on it before you do anything else in the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? So you're supposed to intentionally pursue the love of God as you're striving for these things. And then it says, now earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, interesting enough, this isn't the the word desire here. There's several Greek words for the word desire. One meaning can mean to draw out of the core of something. But this word for desire doesn't mean to draw out of the core of something. It actually means, uh, it's the Greek word for zeal. It's the verb tense of the word zeal, zealous, which is interesting because it should be translated in the fullest extent. It's saying, now, pursue God's love like you're hunting for it, and now have zeal for something in the kingdom. Have a burning. Now, have you guys ever looked at the term zeal? Zeal of the Lord? You know, zeal came on Jesus, came on Samson. What is the zeal of the Lord? It actually means to burn but it means more than that. It means to burn with purpose. Now, how many of you have ever been told, wouldn't it be great if I just burn out for God? Well, God doesn't want you to burn out. He wants you to burn with purpose. So now he's taking this gift and he's saying, look, pursue love like, it's a, like you're actually on a, a, a hunt for it. And now turn into zeal and burn to prophesy. Oh, actually, it's not burn to prophesy. It's actually burn to have spiritual gifts. Now, let's... Let's talk about that. In the Greek New Testament, this is not the word charisma. Okay, that's spiritual gifts. It's actually the word pneumatika. So it's actually talking about the spirit. It means spiritual. So if we translated it, uh, again, the translators must look at these words and they say, well, anything that God gives from the spirit is a gift. So we're just going to translate this spiritual gifts. But it's actually spirituals. Or a truer definition is hotly pursue with zeal spiritual encounters. Okay, do you guys get it? So the kingdom is saying, think about this. Culturally, we, we're uncomfortable with spiritual encounters, and yet Paul is saying if you pursue love and then have zeal for spiritual encounters, you'll have the right connection God wants, and all of a sudden, the things that you and I long for that come from the throne will be expressed properly to people. And interesting enough, think about this with me. He's saying this should actually come to where you have zeal for this thing, that you have spiritual encounters, not spiritual gifts. And that's how it's translated. Because, you guys ready? Any giftedness or anything that God wants to do, I have to encounter him first, and so I need to learn to be a pursuer of the presence of God before I do anything. The pursuer of God. Encounters with the Lord. And then he says, especially that you may prophesy. So now he's given a distinction. He's saying, okay, so if you and I are pursuing the Lord with this zeal for spiritual encounters... What's the benefit that comes out of that? The voice of God. And, and this is interesting. Um, I'm sure you guys are just going to go home and look at the Greek New Testament after I get done doing this. But the word, especially now that you may prophesy, it's a, it's a Greek word. It's malon. But, and it doesn't mean especially in the sense like you ought to think about it. It's a term for the word priority. So when I'm having spiritual encounters, what's the priority of the kingdom that you and I need to connect with? When I have spiritual encounters with God, the voice of God comes as a priority, as the highest standard of how God wants to relate to his people. So the natural byproduct should be, if I'm connecting with God, we're prophesying all over the place because that's just normal. 
Um, when I first got around the prophetic ministry, since it was never hardly ever talked about in the body of Christ, it was this unique thing, and only a few people could do it. Do you see how in the New Testament, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he has opened up this reality to us that God's voice is immediate and available, and he wants to speak to us constantly. Constantly. The amazing thing about the church, think about this with me. We don't come here to be spectators. We come to experience a person, and when he's in the midst of us, he has a lot that he wants to say to us personally and to people that come here. People, if you don't get it from the reference here, I'll I'll just make sure we connect it. People were created for spiritual encounters. When the church is not providing spiritual encounters, they're going to run to a false expression of it because we're not giving them what they were created to encounter. Thank you. Um, I don't know if I can. I almost lost my breath when I said it. So, <laughs> since Paul is emphasizing this, he's actually saying that um, since you and I were created to be encountered by the Lord supernaturally, if the church does not give that to people and they long for it, please understand this. People actually long for this. You have to actually be taught wrong doctrine for a long period of time not to long for it. Since they long for it, if it is not given to them, they, since the longing is so great, they will actually seek it out. They'll seek it out in the wrong area, and then the enemy will come in, and he'll do supernatural encounters for them to cause them to come into deception. So the body of Christ has been created for supernatural encounters. Now, please, a lot of people, when I talk to them about supernatural encounters, all they experience is the immature, stupid stuff, and then they think, I don't want to have any part of this. Please remember as an admonition between me and you in the kingdom. Immaturity doesn't mean there's falsehood. It just means there's immaturity. And because there's immaturity, you have to say, well, what's the biblical standard here? And we're going to look at the biblical standard. What's the biblical standard of this gift? And if I don't see it expressed incorrectly, I don't shut it down completely. I call out for maturity for it. All right, let's keep going. You guys are with me on this. Just thanks. Let's keep going. So let's look at verse 2. We barely started this. For the one who speaks in tongues, not to men does he speak, but to God, and no one understands it. So, you get it? Now he's saying, here's a sign gift. Here's a weird sign gift. God is going to actually have you speak in a language that no one knows. Now, if you hang around people that don't believe in the gift of tongues. Now, guys, when I first came to the body of Christ, I hung out with a group that didn't believe in the gift of tongues. And what I, here's some of the arguments that I was told at the time. The reason why is because it's not a known language that someone can interpret. Now, what are tongues? Paul described them. He said they're tongues of men and of angels. Now, has anyone here in the room ever heard an angel speaking and know what that language is and know how to interpret it correctly? So here he's saying that it's supposed to be a phenomenon of the supernatural. It's actually supposed to grip you, and you're not supposed to understand it. That's intentional by the Lord. So you speak it. You don't know what you're saying. The group doesn't know what you're saying. God hasn't determined it to be that way. It is a spiritual phenomenon that he wants the body of Christ to be encountered by. And he says, you speak it to God, and it's in the Spirit, and you utter mysteries. Now, I actually thought that was fascinating. When I was looking up, we look at mysteries as something that cannot be solved. The way the Greek word, the definition for the Greek word for mystery means something that you cannot understand with the natural mind, but the Spirit can reveal it to you. So every time the word mystery is being used in the New Testament, it's a mystery to people that don't hear God, but to the people that hear God, He explains it to them. 
So what is the passage actually telling us? It's actually saying you can speak in tongues to God and then ask the Lord, what was it I was just talking about? And he'll come and explain it to you. This, uh, this should help when people come to you. Well, what if someone's not there to interpret your, your tongue if you speak it? And I know you guys do this every week, right? You have like four or five people stand up here and speak in tongues. So what if I speak and there isn't someone there to interpret? I can go to the Lord and go, what were you trying to say? And get the interpretation myself. It's just telling you that right here in this passage. The mystery is spoken, but it's for people that hear the voice of the Lord, and you can come to him and say, well, what are you saying here? Now, I've, uh, I don't want to get into tongues because the focus is prophecy tonight, but there are people that teach, look, when you're praying in tongues and you're just like walking the street and stuff, you can ask the Lord, what am I praying about here? He can actually lead you to minister to people by understanding when you do this, you're connecting with the Lord. He's leading you a certain way. Have any of you ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival? That's what started modern Pentecostalism. Those guys actually believe that when they got tongues of men, they were being called to be missionaries in those nations. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> okay, let's keep moving on. Just think about that for a moment. This will help you later, Paula, when everyone starts speaking Chinese and stuff like that. So... But it says, the one who prophesies to men, we're in verse 3, speaks for edification, encouragement, consolation. So we're going to work through that. First, let's take what is prophesying. What does it mean to prophesy? Um, it's, a, it's a simple concept. It means to speak forth. So it means that God has determined that he's going to speak to his children, and we're going to say what he says about something. It's the term for mouthpiece. So God is, makes you his mouthpiece. What is interesting about it is because everyone can do this, uh, this is what amazes me when we look at the Scripture. In the New Testament, because of what Jesus has done, anyone can do this. When I was trying to learn this, you guys ready? I was living here in Colorado when this first came up in my walk with the Lord, this whole idea that prophecy is available today. I moved to Kansas City. I'm in this prayer group, and I still didn't know how to prophesy. I was just shut down at every level in my walk with the Lord. Everything was always hard as I was trying to move in the Spirit. I go to this prayer meeting, this eight-year-old girl has the Spirit of the Lord fill her, and she starts prophesying over everybody in the room, and instead of being excited about that, I got mad at it. I thought, that's not fair. <laughs> I studied Greek and Hebrew and church history, and she hasn't had any theological training. How dare her at the age of eight being able to prophesy powerfully to people? I mean, it was powerful. And I walked out of it upset and jealous because obviously of my immaturity, but one, I was hungering for something, but I couldn't figure out how to just simply do it. Now, do you see how love is so important? If I focus on love, it's easy to function with supernatural giftedness. I'm trying to get God's love, whether it's healing or miracles or prophecy, or it doesn't matter what it is, it's an expression of love, expression of love. So let's work through it. So you speak to men for edification. Let's work through what edification is. Interesting enough, it carries two concepts. It means to build a house or to bring strength to something. So this actually means that this, it's, it's reflecting what the voice of God has always been like through the scriptures and when people have encounters with the voice of God. When God speaks... There's a building up of you or a strengthening of you that you cannot get from any other arena. Very specifically, I know that a lot of you go do Bible studies on the effect of sin on your soul, right? A lot of you just sit down and study this all the time and everything. Well, when I was studying this passage specifically and looking at the word for edification, I had to ask, what do we need to be strengthened from? 
Okay, you guys ready? Sin has a stupefying effect on you. And what I mean by stupefying is it doesn't make you stupid. It makes you dull. It steals away faith, hope, and love inside your soul. So, and this isn't you sinning. This is just you living in a fallen world. Do you guys realize that you're getting from a fallen world their worldview of fallenness, and it always takes away faith, hope, and love inside of you? And so when we gather in a building in the name of the Lord, he says, I want to deal with that. I want you being full of faith, full of love, and full of hope. And so I'm going to start speaking to you guys to actually deal with that issue in your life on a daily basis. Do you guys see why you can't, you shouldn't do this once every quarter or when we have a special? It should just be a common thing in the body of Christ because the voice of God is unique to build you up and actually structure you where you have a strength from the supernatural so that when you're living in a fallen world and everybody is full of despair, you actually can live an abundant life and rise above it if the body of Christ functions properly. It is good, isn't it? So Paul and I are having, it's a good conversation as we're sitting here. The rest of you can jump in. If you want to jump, you can jump up and down and run around the room. I don't care. Let's go to the next word, encouragement. It's for edification. It's for encouragement. Now, this actually means to give courage, but it means more than that. It actually means to bring courage in a unique way by healing. Okay, so what does the voice of God do? The voice of God restores. When you're prophesying to people, they're being built up, and on the same time, the healing presence of the Lord is coming upon them in any area of their life where they lack wholeness. He's ministering to them by speaking to them. Do you see, uh, from my opinion, as I studied this and started saying, I'm going to make this a part of my life on a daily basis, I started seeing the wisdom of God here. Guys, the voice of God restores people. If we can communicate his heart to people on a consistent basis, we don't have to learn to be clever. All we have to do is just be obedient, and he can do the work inside of people. I was uh, in Texas doing a meeting on prayer, and during the afternoon session, I'm looking over this audience of a couple hundred people, and the Lord gets my attention on a lady in the back row. I'm looking at her, and the Lord says, Now, I just want you to tell her that she's pleasing to me and that I'm for her. Now, are you guys like me? Well, that's not a powerful word. Come on. Give me her favorite ice cream and her telephone number. I mean, seriously, get after this, God, because that'll prove it's you, right? Are you guys like I am? And the Lord just said, hey, it's my word. It'll accomplish it. Don't worry about how you should do it. So I just said, man, would you mind standing up? So she stands up. Uh, The Lord just wanted me to tell you that he's pleased with you and that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. She does this fun thing that a lot of people do. I don't know why they do it, but she just starts sobbing. And she's shaking, and I'm, I'm kind of watching her like, huh, wonder why that's happening. And then she falls on the ground, and everyone goes, ooh. And then she's laying there, oh, and she's doing that, all right? So that, that ended the meeting. It did. And it, I mean, it's hard to do ministry while someone's screaming at the, top, at the top of the stairs. So we're, all right, let's shut it down. So I pray a blessing. She's still carrying on. And that pastor is sitting over here, and he walks up to me, and he said, hey, I'd like to um, have you come to my office for a minute. I'd like to have a conversation with you about that word you gave. Now, in my younger days, what that meant to me is it's like going to the principal and him saying, hey, (laughs) it's time for you to be corrected. Let's go in my office. So I thought, well, here we go. This will be the last time I come to this church. So I sit down with him, and he says, okay, so why do you think God gave you a word for that lady? Which, that's a hard question. I mean, I guess because God wanted. I said, well, obviously he wanted to do something. He said, well, the reason I'm asking 
is sitting, you knew my whole entire staff was sitting on the front row, and, and you had all these people in the room, and my staff is absolutely exhausted. Most of them are thinking about quitting, and yet you call out that lady, and the reason they want to quit is it's because of her. She causes the most problems in the church and causes people to come into despair, and yet God calls her out and doesn't rebuke her. He tells her how much he loves her and how much he approves of her. Why would God do that? I think that's a great question. <laughs> so I'm, I don't have all wisdom, so I said, I don't know. I said, the only thing I can say to you is I, I think God knows what he's doing in that situation. And he said, well, would you mind to make sure, and, you know, this is proper. He said, would you please make sure you pray for my staff? And I'm like, well, sure. I'll, I'll be glad to do that. So that ended the conversation. I'm like, what was that? What was that exchange? I go home, I'm just kind of minding my own business, and I get an email from the pastor. And he said, could you explain, now he's asking me another question, could you explain something to me? And I said, what? He said, since you gave that word to her, something is broken over her life. She went from the person that caused the most problems, and she told us. That was the first time in my Christian experience I tangibly felt the love of God and wholeness came into me. And when, when oh, hey, thank you. <laughs> so when she felt that wholeness, think about it. A lot of reason there's dysfunctionality is because people are not tapping into the source of love and getting nurtured from it. God's voice brings the source of God's love, and he nurtures his people when we do that. So if we want a community that comes into wholeness, we've got to get comfortable with the idea that God at any point wants to speak to us. Now, you guys, what are we afraid of when it comes to this? The people that have judgment on their mind. And the only words they can say to you is, hey, by the way, did you know God's just about to destroy you, but I showed up here today to tell you. <laughs> Let's move to the next word, consultation. Now, it's interesting. Encouragement and consultation carry the concept of healing, but consultation is interesting. It's a different level of healing. So this should actually answer the question, how, what should be the attitude when I prophesy? Because it's right here in this word, consultation. Sometimes it's translated comfort. It does not mean sympathy. God doesn't bring sympathy. It's the Greek word for tender mercy. So when God has us prophesy, we model the tender mercy of God, and it heals people. So think about it. I don't come in a room and blast everybody. That's not how God shows it. Could you imagine? What a contradiction. Did you know God loves you? <laughs> you guys comfortable with me screaming at you there for a minute? So this is why people are confused about prophecy, because they, they know God is a God of love, and people are like, well, how do you deal with that? Well, Jesus tells you you rebuke things, but you don't take the gifts to model what God's not doing in a situation. I'm angry, so I'm going to manifest that when God's trying to show his love. There's a time to deal with things, but there's a proper way to do it, and it's not with this gift. This gift is the highest demonstration of showing the tender mercy of God towards people. Remember the focus of the gift? He knows you, so he's going to show you tender mercy because all judgment is passed from you. And he's got to do it in a very practical, experiential way because are you guys like me? It doesn't matter how much the Bible says God loves me, I don't believe it by the end of the day. <laughs> so fun to say this to you guys. I'm just going to look over here at the wall. And so think about that with me. God has determined for you to connect with him being who he is. He's got to demonstrate tender mercy through his children to you. 
When you and I come into a building and we, we do this as a normal form of life, everyone's like, well, what is God going to do to me? Well, once we mature in this, we actually fall in love with it. And we say, God's going to do a wonderful thing. All he's going to do is show you tender mercy. He's going to speak to you and show you tender mercy. How many times have you guys experienced God speaking to you from someone else, and what they said to you was just like, I never thought the Lord would be that kind to me. I love the wisdom of God because he can speak to problems by showing tender mercy and break the power of it, and we go after it and just tear into everybody. It never changes the problem. So God is showing us the wisdom of something. The tender mercy of God is what changes the heart, not the intensity of us telling everybody what's wrong with them all the time. Oh, hey, who said that? Thank you. Oh, you agreed with me. Good. All right, so let's keep moving on. My wife and I just... uh, on a yearly basis, we go down to Florida for vacation. We just went on vacation. We went to this health food store. Um, what was I? I was trying to find vitamins for men. And I'm in this section, and this lady is, can I help you, sir? And I said, well, I'm looking for a certain type of multivitamin. I said, do you, know, do you know what this is? And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, okay, well, thank you. And she's, well, you know, have a good day and stuff like that. And I'm like, great. And so we're doing that. And my wife comes over to her, and he, she starts talking to her. And I'll tell the background of it. But she just starts you ready? She starts talking to my wife, and my wife is, I'm watching my wife, you guys. I'm watching my wife, and she's sobbing while we're looking at cod liver oil. <laughs> and the lady's just talking, and I can't hear him, but I'm watching my wife, and I can tell, oh, there's the Spirit of the Lord. She, and my wife says, <laughs> and she's like rubbing her back and stuff like that, and I go, and I've seen that a thousand times. I know what that is. And I thought, should I go enter into that or just observe it? So I actually stay, stood by the men's multivitamin, just watching my wife by the cod liver oil, get ministered to by the Lord. And the whole time, I'm just saying there, I could sense the, the, the presence of the Lord and the tender mercy of the Lord. By the way, just to stop, I'm doing a teaching, but I just want to stop and say something. How many of you guys through worship tonight felt the tender mercy of the Lord in the audience? Um, I, I actually almost started weeping. I was just like, God, it's like the Lord is here as a pastor. I mean, do you guys feel the love of God that's in the room here this evening? Okay, that's a side note. Okay, let's go on with the story. So, my wife is doing that. We get in the car to go back to the hotel, and I'm like, well, what was all that? And she goes, she just started telling me what God thought of me, and she didn't even realize it. And, and I just kept feeling the love of God come over me. And, turned her, and she goes, I just feel so refreshed. So, my wife just fell in love with that lady. So now we had to go to the, the vitamin store every day before we went to the beach so that she could find out she was a Christian. And then, you guys ready? Just to tell you how weird everything is. I do ministry all the time up in Minnesota. I find out one of the churches I do prophetic ministry in, she was in it, and she's just starting to get trained in prophetic ministry, and she just moved to retire down in Florida, and so God made sure we all came to the same vitamin shop so that she could receive ministry to my wife. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, in, in front of cod liver oil. Can you imagine? <laughs> okay, thank you. That was good. Verse 4. The one speaking in tongues edifies himself. Now, everything I just said about edification, the Bible is now telling you, not only are you speaking mysteries when you do this, the same thing about you building a house or you being strengthened, when you speak in tongues, God brings what would happen when you get prophecy. It comes to you personally, and you can actually be strong in the Lord in a fallen world all the time. All you have to do is do something that's easy. Speak in tongues. 
I don't know if you guys, if anyone's ever told you this, how many of you think I have to, uh, moving in, in giftedness, I have to feel like it? No, the reality of it is, is you, just like anything, do you guys sometimes feel like praying or you do it because you're commanded to do it? Well, here, the Bible's saying, now look, he's telling you the benefit of it. If you will do this, this will be the response. So you don't go, should I feel like it before I do it? You should just do it, and then you'll get the benefit of it. So how do you live in a fallen world so that you have hope consistently? He just gave you a key right here. Pray and speak in tongues, and you'll be edified in your spirit like you were in a meeting where everybody's just being encountered by the Lord. You can have it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, wherever you want. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> oh, you're joining me on this, aren't you? Thank you. Okay, and then it says this, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. All right, so now he's saying, think about this. You can edify yourself. Certain times you need to be able to do that. You want God to actually build your house, strengthen you with hope and faith. But the maturing process of this whole idea is that the church, the people of God would get this. Now, I don't know if you, Paul has ever done this with you guys, but when I was teaching in Kansas City and I was training students on how to prophesy, I, part of their assignment was every time you go to church, you have to find 10 people to find out God's blessing for them, and you have to do it. So I, I remember the struggle the students were having, like, wow, I, I'm really uncomfortable with this. And I go, isn't that great? We all are. Because you, you have to let love fill you past your fear to care for people outside of yourself. And so I said, don't, don't just do it. Get God filling you with your love, and then just look over the room, and he'll draw your heart and love to a person, and then go over there and expect God to do it. Because later on in the passage, it actually says, this is so prevalent in the Corinthian church that people come in the middle of you. They're just sitting in the church. You sit over there and say, hey, do you know God says this about you? And they go, wow, God's surely among you. That's how it's supposed to be normal. <laughs> okay. There's this one training center that I have an opportunity to teach at in Rochester, Minnesota, on a quarterly basis when I'm up there. And every time I come, the, the, teacher, the, the person that runs it says, what I want you to do is teach the students on... Um, the gifts of the Spirit, or correct biblical term, spiritual manifestations. And so at the end of it, I have to give assignments to the students that the next day in church, they have to function in a giftedness that they're uncomfortable with. Isn't that fun? So the first time we did this, here's what happened. I said, have you ever given a tongue in a church? No. Well, that's what you get to do tomorrow. Have you ever interpreted a tongue? No. Well, you get to do that tomorrow. And, and, and I had people singing songs of the Lord and people who functioned didn't feel like they could do a miracle. They had to try to do it. You guys get, and they had to seek the Lord for all of this. That Sunday morning was just unbelievable because the worship leader knew we were going to do this, so they just started playing music. And all of a sudden, this one student just spoke in tongues. Another, on the other side, they, they interpreted it. And the power of God hit the room. One lady sang a song over a person that actually was crippled, and God healed her. <laughs> it was so much fun. Have you guys ever gone to a service where God kind of like has a little bit of control? And it's just like, wow, where would you want to be besides here? Everybody's getting touched by the Spirit of the Lord. And three people got saved that day just for the heck of it. <laughs> you guys just don't enjoy this stuff, I'm telling you. Think about that. So, you see... When we gather in his name, he never intended this to be a lecture format. He expected this to be a place where all of us say, we're going to go hang out with Jesus. What is Jesus going to do when we hang out with him this week? 
See, when he was walking on the planet, you had to go find him in a certain region to watch him do this. Now he says, because you're my people, if you just come into a room and hang out with each other, what I did and you had to go find me when I was in the natural, I'll just show up and do it. Just let me do it. Now let me give the priority. If, if prophecy is the highest priority from spiritual encounters, he's actually saying if a group of people are going to follow the will of the Lord, they have to make that the highest standard of how they express the love of God. By the way, if, and most people think if we can get everyone to speak in tongues, the church will get open to the supernatural. The Bible's clearly telling you here, if you get the people of God to learn to prophesy, it'll open up every other spiritual gift. Because they tap into the love of God, and then it's just natural to do healing, and it's natural to do miracles. Because it's the voice of God that initiates all of that. Isn't that great? Let me pray a blessing over you guys. Please receive from the Spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome among us as you always are. Bring your power. And anywhere inside of us, Lord, where we've not been nurtured in this or it's been shut down, would you just come off your love and begin to awaken us again to the maturity and the glory of you speaking through us to your children, to people who don't even know you. Bring back the, the dynamic and the excitement of your voice in the midst of us, Lord. And I command the blessing of the Lord upon your will in the midst of your people. And I thank you. Lord, also the call to pursue spiritual encounters, I ask that you would open up the heavens to us and help us in maturity recognize it and make it a top priority to connect with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, a couple things. Uh, during work, Now, you guys, if I'm going to release words, your mature children, you're supposed to test and weigh everything I say. All right, don't just take it and go, well, that, oh, I heard that. So, no, you have to come into agreement. What is the Lord doing? Is that him? All that kind of stuff. So during worship, I'm kind of on my knees, and the Lord shows me this flood from his throne coming from the north of Colorado and just blasting through the front range all the way to the south. And I'm like looking at that going, what is that, Lord? And the Lord said, Brian, that's the torrent of my spirit that's going to start coming into this region. Tell my people to get ready for it. So would you guys pray and ask the Lord, is that you? And then if it is, ask him how you're to participate with him in that, okay? So would you guys join me just for a moment? Lord, According to what you're sharing with us, tell us how to respond. I come into agreement with you, Lord. Let your will be done. Come into this region as a torrent of love. Beyond what we ask or imagine, we welcome you and say yes and amen to your word, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Joanne, would you stand, please? Can I put your hands out like it's Thanksgiving? Thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your power. So, Joanne, you, you've actually had a certain season of your life, you really function a lot in the gift of faith. And the Lord is actually resting on you right now. He's revisiting the gift of faith, and it's being awakened to a new level in your life right now. And, and it's amazing. You actually have 
It's funny, you functioned in the healing ministry for a long time in your life, and the Lord said he's going to not only revisit that, but he's going to add to it. So you're going to function in setting the captives free, restoring the brokenhearted, and functioning in healing ministry to the body of people. And so, Lord, I thank you for my daughter, or my daughter, your daughter. I ask that you would bless her. Cause her to rise up and be what you have destined her to be. Huh. Also for her son. The Lord is going to visit him. I ask that your presence would come upon him and that you would just begin to show your goodness to him. There's a call on his life and the Lord is actually going to move upon him in power and he functions in tenderness and God is just going to pour his power on that and he's going to draw people to the goodness of God. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would bless her. Um, did you guys know also the ministry of prophecy is the ministry of Kleenex? Does anyone have a Kleenex anywhere? Is there a Kleenex anywhere? Oh, take it off there. Thank you. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm almost done with you. Sorry. Here we go. So, Lord, just uh, cause your goodness to be with Joanne. Thank you. Tim and Joanne, for both of you, Weariness is coming off you. The Lord is going to bless you. The favor of the Lord is going to be with you guys. You've actually felt like you've gone through a hard season. The Lord says that season's over. You're going to experience the goodness and the peace of the Lord over your life. And so <laughs> I just that you'd love on him, Lord, and bless him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. You guys can clap. That's okay. Jesus is cool. I'm already forgetting your name. No, right here. Tim, sorry. You looked down right when I was trying to get your attention. Please stand. <laughs> Tim, I'm so sorry. Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence over your son. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so before I do this, I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you feel the power of the Lord right now? Isn't that just, so, so see how God comes into a room when he wants to minister? Uh do you, guys, do you remember a movie called The Beautiful Mind? God's actually, you're going to be given a beautiful mind by the Lord. You're actually stepping into the spirit of wisdom and revelation now. And things that you felt like you didn't understand, just from the word, the Lord is going to break it open to you. And you're going to step in a new level of authority in the word specifically. And I, and I want you to recognize this. I don't know if you see yourself this way. You're going to be a teacher not only of the Word but of the Spirit. There's going to be this, this thing that's going to come on your soul, and you're going to be able to actually impart the power of the Holy Spirit on people and teach them how to walk in maturity both with the Word and with the Spirit. So can we pray for that blessing over you? Here we go. Holy Spirit, <laughs> Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence over Tim. Oh, cool. The Lord's also going to come and visit you in dreams. He's going to begin to explain himself to you in dreams. There's a certain passage in the Old Testament where it says, God will uh, speak to you in visions and he will reveal himself. So the revealing of himself isn't just to tell you something. It's actually him explaining himself to you. God's going to explain himself to you in dreams. You're going to start seeing things about the Lord that you were wondering if that is even possible. You have a motivational gift of compassion. God is going to come on that in power and actually heighten it with his mercy at another level in your life. And we just command the blessing of the Lord upon you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. 